Our passion didn't start with the mouth. It started with people, with the well-being of the profession. And if you're like me, maybe a little bit of your nerdiness in all things tech too. We all want to love what we do, but the truth is burnout, people problems, and glass ceilings can keep us from doing what we set out to do. So let's get back to the heart of connection. Welcome to the Dental Handoff. This show is about passing you the knowledge, the habits, the systems, and the strategies to lead your teams, lean on the tech, and listen to your gut while you take care of teeth. And let's get honest, the overall health of our communities. Let's stop using the wrong end of the toothbrush, y'all. My name is Dr. Kelly Tanner. Oh, and uniquely, I'm a dental hygienist, too. You can consider me a guru in the dental and leadership industry. With over three decades of experience, my goal is to take you to the next level by empowering growth, perspective, and confidence. By identifying the gaps, recognizing the plaque, and extracting the truth with other experts in the field. I'll share their stories, empower you to own yours, and elevate your passion in the process. So have a seat in the chair, put on your bib, and let's get to work. Welcome to The Dental Handoff. I am your hostess, Dr. Kelly Tanner, RDH. And today, guess who I have with me? Jonathan Bonanno, also known as JB. Hi, thank you for being on today. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Oh, me too. I just, from the time I met JB, and I think that we officially met at the Catapult Education Retreat, but of course I felt like I knew you from social media, like a lot of other people in the industry. I'm like, Hey, how's your family? And people are like, what are you talking about? How do you know me stalker? (laughs) I met you at the retreat and you were with your husband and I just, I just, I just loved and leaned into everything that you were saying because our synergies are so aligned. And so it's just been such a pleasure. You're such a light in the world. And you guys, if you were to see this on YouTube, his smile just lights up the screen. I told him, I was like, I just love your smile. And because I know that when he walks into the room that people move with it. So thank you again for being here. Um, tell us about your journey, why dentistry and, you know, a little bit about, you know, why you're here. Yeah. Quirky thing. So a few years ago, well, not a few more than 10. Now uh, I started my career with an intention of becoming a plastic surgeon. So I went through the roadmap, taking the prerequisites, getting ready to, you know, prepare for med school eventually. And after becoming a CNA for a very short time, I quickly realized I cannot do the bodily fluids, the smells, none of that. So I'm like, there's no way in hell I'll be able to go on and do a rhinoplasty for someone and be okay with it. Uh, So I decided to take a year and a half off of school before I joined the corporate world. And my background's heavily inside of project management, implementation management. I worked very closely with a lot of the big pharmas, developing a lot of the REMS-based and patient access programs to really lower the cost of medication for those really high-end brand name drug medications that are an arm and a leg for just a 30-day fill. Uh, I was the guy behind the scenes deploying all those programs. And I did it for a little over six and a half years. Uh, During that time, I acquired my bachelor's degree in business administration, my master's in management with an emphasis in business. And in 2020, I decided to, you know, pursue a PhD. So I'm on that path too. (laughs) Um, But after realizing, um, what I would say my potential was no longer being met. And I felt as though I hit that glass ceiling. You know, when you get comfortable and you're ready for that change, 
I was getting that itch. And I was actually asked by my husband to join his consulting firm and run his entire operations and HR division. So I joined his company after six, six and a half years in the corporate environment, plunging into dentistry, focusing on business, the operational side, developing processes, procedures that would actually create more efficiency and proficiency within your practice. And, you know, COVID reared its ugly head. And I was not really interested in going back to the virtual development route, which is, you know, we had a pivot. It was one of those times where it was pivot or perish. So Michael and I developed our full virtual support platform. And, you know, I was ready for that change also. Um, I realized inside of my career that, I used to say that I hated working with people. I did not understand them. I did not spend my time. And then I quickly shifted my tune and my mindset. It's not the fact that I do not like working with people. It's the fact that I don't understand them. And I want to understand them to better work with them. So shifting that focus really allowed me to hone in on what I love, which is working with people developing leaders, counseling them, creating a culture that is not only accountable and open and transparent, but it's playful too. Our personality gets to be poured into it. And we get to have a much more engaged conversation and engaged team. So I really wanted to fall into that. And that's exactly what I'm doing. You know, we were talking a little bit earlier, uh, Kelly, where I'm finally feeling the love, right? The love for my profession, the love for what I do, the changes and the differences I'm making with people. And that's just lights me up. You know, my, my, uh, my main goal in life is to leave people better than I found them. And my aspirational goal is to transition knowledge seekers to knowledge creators. So how and whatever way I can do that, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> that's so cool. What a neat story. So from plastic surgeon yeah. <laughs> to here you are creating change in culture uh, and culture in the offices, culture within teams and, and individuals, because people have a different understanding and knowledge of culture and what that means. Right. And you're taking it and you're making the world a better place. One team, one, one person understanding another at a time. Absolutely. And so where you thought it was that you didn't really like working with people, it's just that you worked better to understand them. How did you even start that process? Yeah. So it was when I first had my first leadership position, I was in my first leadership position at the age of 20 and I was responsible for deploying and launching one of the largest REMS implementations. I had over 700 employees underneath me and eight other leaders. And it was a struggle. <laughs> uh, it allowed me to not only mature much more quickly, but really evaluate the type of leader that I wanted to be. There's one way and one thing to be a, an effective process leader. And that's what I was. I nailed it. I, I had it to the T. I had it front of the hand, back of the hand. My opportunity was to increase how I was being effective with the people I was leading. So after experiencing poor leadership myself, poor development, poor workplace culture, lack of psychological safety, I quickly also learned that that is not what I want to represent. That is not the the presence that I want to bring to a conversation. That's not how I want my team to perceive me. I want to be approachable. I want to be the fun, quirky guy that has all the tattoos that you can come and hang out with when you don't need to be as serious. But also, we have a goal at the end of the day. Let's make sure we're reaching and targeting towards that goal. So shifting that focus of putting people first made the difference for me. And I think the education aspect of it all, if I didn't have it, I probably would still feel a little resistant and resentful probably. But being able to apply more of the theoretical view and understanding there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that we don't see, right? 
And understanding that and accepting it, I think, is one of the biggest things that I took away from it is just the overall self-awareness and acceptance of it. And it's okay. (laughs) Yeah. So how does a person like, what is it, what does it feel like for you? And what do others describe to you when you say like creating that self-awareness of going to, man, I'm so frustrated to that open personality. Like what makes that pivot in that person? Yeah. So I would say from my personal experience and from the teams that I've worked with, it is really just having that clearing, having that sense of vulnerability and understanding and willingness to understand is what made the difference for me. So when we're looking at the fact of, okay, I'm I'm no longer going to be process oriented. I'm going to be people oriented. I want to ensure that my people can not only follow the processes I'm implementing, but also be able to be innovative inside of them. Meaning identifying the gaps. I don't know everything. I, everybody has an awesome skill set. Let's leverage those. So when we're thinking of how do we go from that narrow-minded thought process to being much more open and be willing to be candor, candorous, if you will, um, it was really just the self-motivation, right? Because I've been put in positions where my leader was not leading me. They were managing me. And they were a leader that earned not earned their position. They were there, received it for tenure, And then that cascaded across how our team was being developed. So that moment in time, I knew that I needed to make a shift because I was either going to fall into it or I was going to be the person that's changing it. And I'm a person that wants to see the change in the world. So I'm going to do something about it. And being able to really hone in on the fact of, you know, if I want to see the change that I want to see or have the change I want to see in the world and make the type of difference that I'm looking to make, and still rub people positively and impact people positively. I needed to make a change. So you take that step back, you start doing some intrinsic thinking, what's working for you, what's not. And okay, all of the things that are not working for you, what is it now as far as your time goes, as far as your investment, as far as the energy and the the experience that you're creating for your team? Is that really providing the level of outcome that you're looking for? It wasn't. So Let's put that to the side. Let's parking lot that and let's start focusing on where my opportunities are because everybody has them. Once you receive or achieve that level of mastery, there's still growth. There's still, how do you now achieve level of mastery in somebody else, right? How do you allow that to cascade forward? So that's what I did. (laughs) Yeah. And it seems like too, I have these conversations all the time with team development and building programs, custom programs, much like yourself. And it's, it's almost like, well, how do you get that person who doesn't even know that they need it to understand it, to be aware? And sometimes it's like, you need to know what you don't know yes. so to have that sense of self-awareness. And, you know, it's, it's finding that special sauce. Sometimes I think you get to the point, we all get to the point where we get frustrated with ourselves. And, and I, I think sometimes too, it's in that moment where you realize, I don't want to do it this way anymore. This is not working for me that then we start looking for other solutions. But sometimes, you know, you can bring in training to an office, to a team, but if they don't even know that they're, that you're there to talk to them, that they didn't apply to them, then how do they even take action on it? Right. Yeah. I so And from that experience, I just look at it from a level of trust. You know, I'm a brand new person coming into your team. I'm like the long lost cousin that you never knew you had at a family reunion. And all of a sudden, everybody's looking at you, right? Well, here's my opportunity to make sure that I'm building a relationship with you, that there's a level of trust, that you can have some form of confidential conversations with me if that's the, the scenario, right? And I think that is at the core of it, right? The relationships. If you're not 
engaged with your team. I mean, we hear about these terms now called quiet quitting. It's disengagement is what it is. And it's both the leader and the employee's responsibility to find the opportunity to bridge that gap. So when I think about the relationship focus, that just becomes the focus, right? How can we actually make the potential when we're not seeing it for ourselves? And that's the hardest part, right? You know, as leaders and innovative thinkers, we see the progress and potential of somebody else and you want them to get there and you're pushing them and pushing them and pushing them and they're inching forward. But maybe it's because you're doing it in a manner that is reflective of how you want it to happen for you, if it was you, right? Rather than the other person on the other end. And then what I hear too, that's a great point. And what I hear too is that teams will say, okay, well, I'm going to do all these changes. I'm going to improve my emotional intelligence uh, and do all this. But how do I get my team to change? I'm like, here's what's going to happen. You're going to, they're going to start seeing a difference in you. And they're going to be like, what are they doing? That's different. Yes. They're happy. <laughs> they're different. They're not, they're not triggered. They're not whatever. They're more open. And then they start to say, how do I, how do I get what they've got? And that's sometimes that peek into that self-awareness that, that helps people realize, Hey, I could grow. I could improve. Right. Right. hundred percent. Totally agree with you. And, and I think about it from the perspective of, you know, if an individual is attending a CE course, and they come back with all these awesome tools and techniques, and they're ready to implement them in the practice. But then you have your observers, I'll call them, that are watching the change happen. And they don't know how to get on board with it. Mm-hmm. How do you get them on board? Let's talk about it. Let's, let's have a conversation. Let's say, hey, Kelly, I just learned about all of these cool things. I think it would be great. It would make an impact in your department. It would impact this person's efficiency. Let's talk about it. Let's make sure we're aligned and then move forward. But we also don't want to make sure that we're getting stuck in the silo of collaborative decision making. It's one thing to be collaborative in a discussion. It's another thing to be collaborative in a decision. And you also still need to make the decision, right? Right, right. Exactly. Uh, Because that happens so often with teams where they'll go and come back or there's a team changeover and that person coming in is like, what is this? What is this cool thing that I get to learn? Or this is very different than what I've learned in the past. It's just, it's just contrast, right? That they get to experience. Mm -hmm. And to your point as well, it's that, it's that collaboration. I think it's built in trust and trust and delegation among teams are so important. And it's when you say, I trust you enough to help me with this. Right, right. It, it, It makes a difference. And then the value in that individual and the level of appreciation just dramatically increases, right? Because they feel heard. They feel like they're being seen. And they also feel like they're being challenged. Nobody wants to do the same thing all the time, every day. And if you do, awesome. That's great for you. But there's also individuals that want to push themselves even further. So give them the opportunity and chance to. Maybe they're not just somebody sitting around on the phone all day because they're bored maybe it's an opportunity to create a new position or some new tasks or routines, right? For this individual to exercise their brain and emotion that is not being touched yet. Agreed. And through that, through that collaborative conversation and understanding what the other person's roles are and saying, Hey, you know, would you, this, if I were to say, Hey, JB, this is all the stuff that I do. And you're like, I had no idea you know how to do that. Could you help me with that? Right. And then people start to understand each other's roles and two, where the team needs that, that strength and the action and the conversations where people, where there are uh, pitfalls or, you know, holes that they haven't understood before. It's like, now I finally get why you do that. Right. Right. 
And you, and then you have a better respect and understanding of it too. <laughs> yep. Trust. Trust. Yeah. 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 And then and then it's like, okay, now I know. And then it leads to a better dental handoff. You know, in, yeah. in dentistry, it's like because you know what I'm going to do and you know why I'm doing it. You're gonna wait for me to do that. Then I know what you're gonna do. And I know I can envision without ever ever watching the rest of the process, exactly what's going to be done. Exactly. I used to call it a trust transfer in our office because it was, we needed to make sure that we were on the same page and we said it in front of our patient. So they were clear that we're working at it as a united front. And it yes. just removes any unspoken expectations, comments, or anything from the flavor or the mix. And it's just, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. And patients, patients appreciate that and they notice it. We talk about that all the time. So how do you help? Who do you help and how do you help? Yeah. So uh, my company is Cultura. Uh, I launched Cultura at the end of 2020, really focusing on the talent leadership and cultural arms of dentistry and healthcare as a whole. Uh, I support both private practice, uh, DSOs, as well as dental-based organizations um, that are actually providing products or services to other dental-based professionals. So inside of what we do at Cultura, it's really emphasizing the power of acquisition. And what I mean by that is the moment you bring on your first team member is going to set the tone and pace for how your lead team is going to be led, how your team will be developed, and what type of culture is going to be actually instilled within the practice. And it all starts right at the beginning, right? We're, and it's not just looking at it from an interview perspective. It's looking at it from the very, very beginning. Job descriptions. I need a RDH on Thursdays and Fridays. Send a, a resume to this email. That's not painting a picture. How am I supposed to know that's going to provide me a better opportunity than the other office providing me an opportunity down the street that has a ton of different things listed about what they're offering at their practice? That's the focal point. That's where you get to start to make your difference and allow yourself to put a footprint in the job market. There's a lot of talk around, around the great resignation right now. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's that we're not positioning ourselves in a way that's allowing top tier talent to find our opportunities. So from that point, great, awesome. We found someone, they fit your organization, they fit your culture without any form of bias being present because you get to work through me. Now let's look at how we get them developed. Awesome, you've hired them. What does day one look like? You don't know? Okay, well, let's start there first too. Let's understand what the expectations are for Jonathan coming on as the new treatment coordinator in your practice. What is his onboarding experience gonna be? What does the technical training look like? What does the experience look like that he needs to uphold as far as patient interactions go, doctor to doctor handoff, whatever that looks like. Great. How do you now develop that even further? It's developing your leaders. Something that we focus on at Cultura is not filling a position, we fill futures. So that's succession planning. You might be bringing them in to be a treatment coordinator today, but if you know me, I'm working on my PhD, this is probably not gonna be the future for me. But what if it could be? What if we could create a path that not only gets to leverage my education and experience that I'm bringing to the table, but also allow our patients to experience that too. Allow our team in our office to experience that, whether you're working in a private practice or a DSO or a dental-based organization. The same challenges that we have and see and experience are similar across the board. And the only change and the only way that we can create a sustainable advantage is leveraging our people, optimizing our talent. So from the point of inception, which is the hiring of a new person, now we're going through the leadership process. And I like to look at it more from a counseling perspective rather than too much coaching and consulting. Everybody has the power to be a leader. 
what are you looking to accomplish as a leader? What's your style? What's your approach? Are you looking for followership? What is that going to be for you? And let's outline that so you can actually stand firmly and successfully in that role. Now let's look at the culture, right? Culture is a big buzzword. Everywhere is talking about it. That's that's what cultura represents. I'm Hispanic and Italian. That's in my roots. It means culture, right? So when we're looking at that, it's going far, far deeper than we normally do. It's not the pizza Fridays. It's not the coffee every morning. It is ensuring that psychological safety is present at the core of how you operate. We mentioned trust. Trust needs to be there. Vulnerability needs to be present. Communication, transparency, all of those fun action words need to be there too, right? So then when we start looking at it from a holistic lens, how are you creating your culture? What type of people are on your team? What are you doing with your people on your team to achieve the level of cultural acceptance that you're wanting to have at your practice or your company or your organization or your team alone? So that's what I get to do. I get to work with clients and focus on developing playful cultures, creating futures for people that sometimes you create something out of nothing. And those are the best opportunities to present. Oh, that sounds amazing. (laughs) I mean, just amazing. It's uh, to, to truly make a difference all the way through and then to teach people how to do it. Mm-hmm. as well, because they get to learn from you. They get to see it because you can talk about it in theory, but then you they get to actualize it in that day-to-day and see what they're doing. And they're, they're like, oh, I could apply this to here. I could tell so-and-so about this. And it enlightens them and it changes their frame and their context about how they approach the world. Exactly. That is so cool. And so what are, like, when people contact you, what are usually their pain points? So if you said that there's like top th- top three pain points that they're experiencing and say, I've got to work with Cultura, what yeah. are they? So the big top three things, which is really how we built the pillars of our organization is talent, leadership, and culture. You know, I just lost my hygienist of 10 years. What do I do? I'm getting ready to move on to another opportunity. Now I just lost my office manager. Well, okay, let's take a look at what's going on first. When I hear that people are leaving and there's consistent turnover, that's a first flag for me to understand what, what's happening in the practice. Great, we need to hire. Uh, let's get to the core of the problem. Let's make sure that we're open and honest with what's happening in our practice. Let's not put it fluffy. Let's make it to be as candorous as it is. So when they contact me, it's all about talent, leadership, and culture. The leadership team either had a leader that's a poor, toxic leader that they're looking to elevate and improve their way of being. Awesome. Let's look at it from a behavioral perspective then. How is, is this person operating when these type of situations are showing up? Are we putting a round peg in a square hole? That could be the situation. And maybe because our ego is too involved or too in front of it, that you need an outsider's opinion to see and like, look, hey, it's not the fact that you guys aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. It's the fact that the expectations and the communication is not clearly landing. So let's look at that first before we dive into developing our leadership team, if that's what really the case is. And then culture. Culture is the biggest thing, as I mentioned. Everybody's looking to create the best stellar approach to instilling and attracting and retaining great people, right? It's amazing as it is how fluffy it's become because it's those things where they're looking at, well, I'm doing all these things. I'm giving them more money. I'm giving them raises. It all boils back to the leadership aspect, too. Is that what motivates them? Is that what is lighting them up? Are they being engaged in a matter that will allow them to actually feel heard and be uniquely presented in your team? And if not, again, that's the starting point. 
Let's look at how you actually can interact. Let's look at some profile assessments. Maybe we need to do some behavioral assessments and testing and understand how your team is from a strategy perspective. Great that you like to have a lot of conversations and you're conversational and collaborative, but where's the execution in that? Maybe that's a missing point because we're too busy talking that we're not spending enough time executing on those ideas. And we'll have those conversations too, exploring, getting to the core of the problems. I like to ensure that the clients that we work with, you know, have the capacity and willingness to be stretched because part of our challenge and part of our approach, not challenge, but part of our approach is ensuring that we can pull those layers as far back as they can. But it's also have to be mindful. People are like rubber band. They can stretch so far until they snap. And you want to be mindful of that. You have to do it with that emotional intelligence, that level of empathy, like you mentioned, and I don't know, be cool and gracious at the same time. <laughs> yeah. And have grace too for both yes. parties to say, you know what? I, I, I can see that this is a place I need to grow. And thank you for pointing that out to me. And again, for you to be vulnerable. And, and I think too, in that relationship, sometimes I'll say I was the same way because if it was, it's like, I used to experience the same thing or many of us do. Right. experience this because it's, we all start from somewhere, but you got to go through it to get to the other side yep. always. And sometimes it takes a person to help you hold, you know, hold your hand, walk with you yeah. through that to say, okay, how can we do this better? How, is this the best version of you leaning or, or replying to this, leaning into this and making a difference? Is it truly serving your why? Right. Exactly. And I think that's so important is touching on the why. Sometimes people don't understand that and they want to. So give them the, give them the little nuggets too. <laughs> yeah. Tell us, I know that we have a few minutes left. Tell us about what you're doing your, your doctorate on. I'm so excited. Yes. So um, I am earning my PhD in industrial organizational psychology, and I am so excited to be done. <laughs> uh, I've been in school for literally the last 20 years, and I am so excited that I will be able to have those credentials, not only behind my name, but the level of education experience that I've been able to uphold and immediately apply within my career, it is hands down the best experience that I've ever had. Um, I, I, I go to a great university. They have such a great program. It is involved. It's engaging. And you get to choose your chair and your committee and your team that's going to support you through this process. So I'm going to give you a shout out too, Kelly. Thank you for being my content expert to help me on this journey because I'm ready to be done. <laughs> but, it's a privilege. It's a privilege. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but for those that don't know what industrial organizational psychology is, it is the focus of people in the workplace, understanding that people are not numbers and they are people and humans. So how do we understand them? We figure it out. We have conversations. We challenge. We question. And we stay in that state of curiosity. And when I initially was on this journey to pursue a doctorate, you know, I ended my master's and I was like, yeah, I'm done. And then I started thinking about it. I'm like, well, I'm already used to this. I'm going to be the same age by the end of the time anyways. I've already built out a routine. Why not? So I was talking to my husband about it. And he's like, and I just walked by him in passing. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get my doctorate. And he's like, what? And I was like, yeah, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go get it. And he's like, well, what, why? And I'm like, because I want it. It's something that I can hold and take forever. I mean, nobody can take away your education. So why not be as valuable as you can be? and learn as much as you can. I'm a sponge. You know, my goal, as I mentioned, is to be a knowledge, to transition people from being a knowledge seeker to a knowledge creator. And that's the same journey I'm on. And it has been not only rewarding, it has been a life-changing experience to allow myself to grow into the next version of me. And I think that's what I love the most about. <laughs> 
everything. I always get the, that that's amazing. And it's a field of study that's not very common among, I'm sure it's very common in the world, but that we don't know a lot about because mine with organizational leadership, it had components of what you're talking about and groups and conflict and how to communicate in groups, which definitely directly applies to dentistry and <laughs> basically anything. Yeah. Um, but then would you say in your experience, people will always say, I don't know, I've been thinking about it. Would you do it? Like, what would be your recommendation? I would always say yes. I am a huge advocate for education. I value it. I um, I was somebody that hated going to school. I hated high school because I didn't feel like it was pouring into where I wanted to pour into. So realizing that, yes, it's a journey is a journey worth taking because you get to learn and take and absorb so much. You will be surprised the per- around about the person that you end up being at the very end of that process. And then you get to be rewarded. Celebrate yourself. I actually have a week off in between my next class. And I'm like, what do I do? I I need to do a discussion post. I need to be writing. I need to be researching. But it has been just a rewarding experience. So anybody interested in looking to start a bachelor's, associates, whatever the program might be, doesn't matter if you're going for a terminal degree or not. The first step is taking that action. And it's worth it. Yes. And what would you say is the biggest difference in you? that you've experienced in going through your PhD program that you've noticed? I think my level of patience has certainly increased. My tolerance level has increased as well, but I'm also quick to identify when things are crossing a line. So I think my, again, my overall awareness and really my position inside of looking at what am I gonna do next? What am I talking about? Is my vocabulary increasing? is my difference that I'm making within my teams, is the difference I'm making amongst my personal team changing. That is where I was able to really see and accept the power that I have. Because I used to think that I'm like, hey, I, don't, I don't have enough in experience. My age is always going to be a factor. Until you put that aside, you'll actually be able to see what type of momentum you can start creating. And I think that level of patience, the level of tolerance, and creating and understanding my thresholds I am com- a completely different person than I was 10 years ago starting this journey. Isn't and it wild? It's so wild. It's crazy. <laughs> I, yeah, was it- I was ready to fire up. I had the fire fingers going because I wanted to be challenged. And I used to challenge others. And sometimes that doesn't work the best ways. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's not always how you create trust and teams and growth and to get a point across. Exactly. And I think, too, what I heard you say is that um, you you learned a lot about yourself, obviously, but then you learned how to interact with others in a way. And like you said, the time goes by either way. And so listeners, 100%, do it if you're thinking about it. If you have questions, Jonathan is available. I'm always available. I get a lot of questions through LinkedIn constantly about, what do you think about this? And I'm like, Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Do it. Because <laughs> at, at, like you said, to your point, no one can take it away from you. And it's just such a neat process to grow through. Yeah. And you really, truly realize more about yourself than you ever could through anything because you get to prove a lot to yourself about what you're made of. Yep, absolutely. And I think the last thing I'll mention too is just the time management. You learn to become a master of your time and figuring out where to place your stuff, <laughs> right? It becomes Jenga. <laughs> 
It does. It does. <laughs> and people would say, how do you do all that? I'm like, it just gets done. Yeah. <laughs> it just get. is that what you say? How do you yeah, do all that? It just happens. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a magical process. It just, you learn to bend time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I so appreciate you being with us today. It's been a delight as always. How do people get in touch with you? Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate being here and having such a great conversation too with you, Kelly. Uh, but for those listening that want to reach out to me, you can contact me by email. It is jb at culturaco.com. That is C-U-L-T-U-R-A-C-O.com. Be happy to respond. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. And to our listeners, would you please do me a favor? Would you please like us on um, on well, subscribe to us on YouTube and go into Apple and give us a five-star rating because that's how all the AI works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And thank you all for what you do on a daily basis for your for yourself, for your team, for the communities that you serve. Be well and have a great evening.